Hi, I'm Teresa, owner of T3Fit, and you're listening to the T3Fit podcast, where scoliosis warriors and professionals come together. Here we talk about our scoliosis journeys and the emotional components it takes on from being a parent to being diagnosed with scoliosis and sometimes leading to surgery. It's a place where professionals share their expertise of treatments, from physical therapy to surgery, and so much more. So let's get started. Hey, everybody, welcome to the T3Fit Scoliosis podcast. Uh, On today's episode, I want to say that we have a very special guest, in my opinion. His name is Paul Bolvinsky, excuse me. And um, he is a teacher and a master of the GATA, of juries, of so many tools that I am personally very passionate about, and I know many others are as well. I wanted to bring him on the show today to talk about his journey with the GATA uh, and how it started and how it has helped him along the way. So, Paul, I would like to welcome you to the show. Thank you, Teresa. It's good to be here. Thank you for coming. Can you can you share with us how you started on this journey of uh, training and working with the GATA? Sure. I um, The journey started basically with kettlebells. And what I really liked about kettlebell work was um, the, the swing in the kettlebell. So basically swinging the kettlebell down between your legs and then up onto the, onto the shoulder and into the rack position. Mm-hmm. And that was really fascinating for me. There was a sort of ballistic movement there that I really liked. And I really went to the internet to see what else there was to swing. And I found a book by um, two authors written in 1905 called Cobbett and Jenkin. And lo and behold, in the book, there were, there were plans for Indian clubs. And I thought, I have to do this. I mean, this, it was just quite sort of um, so fascinating that I wanted to try it out. I found a, a local wood turner and had four pairs of clubs made up, each, each one of the designs in that book. And started, and the, I remember the first days when I actually stood and held a, a club in each hand, mm-hmm. had no idea what to do. So then after that, it was just a manic search of, um, of you know, how to do this. On the way, I um, sort of strayed into um, club belts, which is the steel clubs. Mm-hmm. And um, I basically, A, didn't like the coldness of the steel, and I loved the warmth of the wood in my hand. Okay. Um, and it felt very, very natural as opposed to the steel feeling cold. With kettlebell work, um, it gives the kettlebells warm up, the handle warms up. So there's, it, there's a big difference there. So, um, yeah, moving on. And um, I started basically swinging and trying various movements out. I found another book um, by a guy um, written um, 1889 from memory. Um, called Ferdinand Lemar, who was in, a German guy living in London. He had a gym there. And his book is my Bible still to this day. Okay. Um, you know, this is, I'm going back to sort of 2007, around about then when I first started getting into this. Okay. And um, he, I started following the, the, um, the 
illustrations in his book and his illustrations are very complex with lots of dotted lines of where the club should go mm -hmm. and it was then it was a combination of experimenting swinging you know and finding different movements then re, re referring back to the book and then realizing oh no I've actually just done this I've just done this so and, and that sort of progressed more and more mm -hmm. and the um the complexity of the uh, of the swinging just uh, developed as time went on okay and then very interesting things started happening that I started realizing that um obviously breathing was very much part of club swinging so for example as you swing the clubs overhead you should uh, you can breathe in mm -hmm. and then when you swing the clubs down towards the ground you breathe out okay so the breathing can obviously then start setting a rhythm for the type of uh, for for any form of swinging uh, as far as Indian clubs go, and then you've got let's um, describe a very basic exercise um, with an Indian club, just with one hand. If you swing a in in if you hold a club in your right hand and um, hold it straight with a straight arm overhead, mm -hmm. swing it away from the body so it's out to the side mm -hmm. and then across the body. And then back up overhead again. That's that's called a front circle. There's another circle which is a back shoulder circle, which you can continue through. You then move your elbow up, lift it up, and you swing a back circle. Um, and that's that's it creates a um, the combination of the two circles creates a heart shape, and it's called a heart shaped swing. Mm -hmm. Now, so this this has lots of permutations. You can swing it inwards, outwards, and you can swing the clubs. Um, with both hands um, mirroring each other on sides, so the left and right side mirror each other, or you can go into um, or which is something called asynchronous swinging, where one um, arm swings a front circle whilst the other one swings a back circle. Okay. And this basically, what this starts developing is um, a it's it's sort of awareness of everything around you because you, the the clubs start creating an extension of your arm. So you, 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 and, and, but they also have to be part of your body. So you have to be very aware of where you're swinging them and what you're doing with them. Right. This um, also develops your grip work because you have to change your grip work from a, um, a hammer grip, which is like literally holding a hammer to a saber grip, mm -hmm. which is, um, you know, use, is used for pointing things like a, in, in old um, terms, a, a sword or a rapier or something like that. Mm -hmm. And um, so it's working your um, the, your hand muscles, your forearm, right into your shoulder, and then basically the joints are moving from your shoulder to your elbow to your wrist. Mm -hmm. All of that is being um, rotated and moved during a club swing. Another po important point is that depending on the type of swing that you're doing, your um, upper body can rotate um say uh half half left or half right which means that you're from standing square facing forward you're rotating your shoulders to the right mm -hmm. or to the left half mm -hmm. a turn mm -hmm. or with your hips still facing forward you can do a full right or a full left that means that you're turning completely to one side or the other right to perform a type of movement which is giving you amazing spinal rotation right which in my world is very limited Sure. Um, and in so you said before, uh, you know, the westernized version of the gata is the mace is what I use. And some of us here use who are yes. fused. 
But the thing that's wonderful about that is just when even doing a 360, we have the feeling of what I say, limitless with the limitations. Yes. So the internal rotation of the shoulders and the slight trunk movement, we don't necessarily think about, oh, we can't bend sideways or we can't bend forward. And it's, it's, yeah. this, it's this wonderful um, meditation the yes. way I like to think of it and, and, mm-hmm. and uh, swinging with the gata and with the clubs that you don't, you don't really think about if you see somebody doing it for the first time. And I remember when, when I worked, when I had the opportunity of working with you, just learning all of that was so overwhelming because watching you and Kelly do it. And then I was like, I'm not sure that I can do this. <laughs> sure, sure. But it was, um, yeah, yeah, but you, you, I think it was, no, because I remember that day very clearly. I mean, you seem to break, by the end of the day, you seem to break through your, the barriers of, of, of scoliosis in the sense that you it opened your mind to the whole dis- discipline, Yeah, which was great. You yeah. Know? I mean, it was a really, I mean, that really stuck out to my mind, um, you know, with your experience of the day. And, and, but that was, that was because of you and that I was just actually talking about this day recently uh yesterday because going to um central park Mm, and imagine and swinging the gatas you know and seeing the dakota but um it's the you had shoulder issues and you had mentioned previously about you know just with aging but swinging as long as you have been it has it has become easier with the issues because if you hadn't been swinging, it would have been that much harder. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. I, my, my, the third, I had um, just to sort of explain basically what happened. I went a lot, had a lot of shoulder pain over a couple of years and it got, just got progressively worse. I used to still swing clubs every day and the gutter basically sort of, you know, week, a week contains all of that. And uh, finally went to the doctor and he um, said, oh, this, is a, this seems to be an age-related thing. I'm now 73. This was when I was at the end of my, you know, just before I became 72. Um, and after x-rays and so on, it was determined that it was a, sh- a shoulder spur that mm-hmm. had basically cut through the tendon okay. on the top of my arm. And so the tendon had to be reattached. It severed it almost, almost hundred percent. It was just hanging on by threads. Okay. So um, you know we had to cut my shoulder open, repair the um, repair the tendon, and they found also that my biceps had slightly been severed because of the strain, because of the um, the tendon being severed. The the ten, the biceps was taking too much strain. Mm-hmm. They had to reattach the biceps also. And um, then the the um, recovery started and the, the training started after recovery. And I was given sort of very straightforward, simple exercises to do. Um, for instance, um, lying down on a bed, pushing my, pushing my um, holding my hands together as mm-hmm. if I was in prayer, mm-hmm. pushing up mm-hmm. and then down, lying on the bed. So I was directly above my chest and down again, okay. doing that three times a day. 20 or 30 repetitions and then um, as as that went on the next exercise was the same thing but putting my hands over the but to the back of my head to the nape of my neck and okay. then back again okay no, nothing out to the sides this went on for about six to eight weeks from memory okay and then 
then I realized at the time that uh, I could do that the mace movement just, um, and you'll know what I'm talking about here, is if you imagine that you're holding a mace and putting your arms to the back, Bull then horn. if you turn your shoulders from one side to the other, you're mimicking the mace. I mean, if you lift it up yeah. on one side, you can then pull it down on the other, mm -hmm. which is basically a mace movement. Right. So that when I when I found discovered or rediscovered this, I was got really very excited. And uh, the surgeon basically told me that my from my age, my recovery was very fast because when I originally went to see him, he told me eighteen months to two years recovery. Wow. Okay. From this operation, and he told me after six months, I'm done. Don't need to come back. Purely because of the uh, of Indian club swinging. Because of the training. That's amazing. Because of the training and because of the mobility. And he said that, you know, my strength in my shoulders and um, arms was good enough to, um, you know, that I'd maintained it, even though I'd lost a lot of muscle mass, especially on my left shoulder. Mm -hmm. um, but, I mean, that's that was just built up basically after, you know, once I started training on my own again. Okay. And I, I um, you know, you have to put any form of sort of, um, you know, I mean, I call it male ego, where you know we're going for heavier weights all the time, and you know, be humble, go yeah. drop right back down to the lightest weights. And I was literally using Indian clubs weigh, weighing half a pound. Okay. And the, started training, started the movements, and basically um, brought myself back. And but I will say to this day that I haven't got back to the stage or the strength stage of what I was prior to the operation. Okay. But there again, I've moved on a few years since then. And yeah. I'm thinking that that's got something to do with it also, because yeah. I mean, I know younger guys who can build back up to the strength that they had previously. And I'm finding that as far as, you, as, as, far as getting old is concerned, that's not the case. I mean, you've just okay. really got to read your body all the time. Yeah. Well, it's, it's so, um, you had just said, you know, the, the mace, I say this all the time. And because people look at the mace and I, people say, oh, this looks like such an awesome piece of equipment. You look like a badass. And yeah. it's like, it's not about that at all. Yeah, no. This is not no. training with the mace. It's not about looking like some big, you know, huge, jacked, strong, mega person. Sure. It's yeah. this place where, as you said, you have to leave your ego outside. Cool. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and you have to, you have to, and I, you, you, ha it demands respect. Yeah. It demands respect. And I feel that even training with Agata, as you often have, it, there's a different level of respect because swinging a mace made of steel versus Agata, they're similar, but they're two very they're different, different yeah. um, just the materials alone. Yes. Um, yeah. The weight. The, the main difference is the weight distribution because there's there's weight in the handle of the, pardon me, steel gutter, mm -hmm. and or the steel mace, and there's um, because the um, the traditional gutter is made from concrete and bamboo. There's no weight in the concrete. Sorry, no weight in the bamboo. All mm -hmm. the weight is right at the end in the ball. Right. But you know, just going back quickly to the the uh, my recovery, shoulder recovery. I have a gutter that I made up here for training students, which is basically a, um, a wooden pole, like a, a broomstick, mm -hmm. with a basketball on the end, which I basically pushed into the um, the base of the uh, uh, this, the handle into the basketball. Okay. Filled it with foam, and it weighs two pounds. That's but brilliant. What, what what there is there is the um, 
the ability you've got a bit of a weight at the end of a pole mm -hmm. that you can do make gutter movements with right and um you're not dealing with the uh, the the increase the drastic increase in weight as you drop the gutter behind the body right that one of the reasons i made that originally was because i found that with some of the um students i had there was a definite fear of injury that people had with the gutter and um and you know it wasn't just restricted to you know either male or female it was both mm -hmm. and there were some people that just literally could not understand you could they just thought that they were going to hurt themselves it's as yeah. simple as that yeah consequently the basketball gutter was born as a training tool to um do you look you know i mean how you can how, how can you hurt yourself with this yeah. you can't yeah to just try it yeah and one of the things i found that was very very interesting especially with people that had that sort of like you know fear of injury was that even though i demonstrated the movements and you know that you, you know yourself that the movements are on the frontal plane mm -hmm. that is behind the shoulders but the movement is from left to right and back again right and I've had students, um, especially the ones that have sort of fear injury, completely misinterpreting that after a demonstration and literally lifting their hand, hands, holding the gutter over their shoulder. And where does it go? Straight to the bum. Hits them in the bum. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's the sort of training that we as, as trainers have to perform is to make sure that people understand that the, the, the swing of the gutter is a straight line on the frontal plane that goes across the back of the body from left to right, right it does not go back and basically hit you in the rear and practicing that with a basketball will feel still safer because in it my world still feel safer and it can be done i mean it yeah. can be the, the weight is not an issue it's the, right. it's you know you've got a ball at the end of a stick technically yeah you can swing that and um you know you can have your grip correct and so on and once you've done that and you learned the lesson, then you can progress very quickly to using a bit of weight. Yeah. And in, in my world, we because so many of us, when our spines are fused, we have hardware screwed into our spine. Sure. So sure. the fact of hitting the back is that much more terrifying. Absolutely. But yeah. with a stick with a basketball, I mean, that's brilliant. And it's so simple. And there is weight involved. Yeah, it's a little bit. I mean, the whole thing weighs two pounds, as I say. Right. I mean, it's not right. a lot of weight. Now, the other thing that I wanted to mention is um, I I was diagnosed in 2017 with prostate cancer. Okay. And I just wanted to mention what a huge impact my training with Indian clubs and the, the mace or gada had on my recovery from um, chemo and the rest, all, all that sort of treatment of androgen blockers and, you know, stopping my testosterone because the testosterone was feeding on the, the cancer was feeding on the, the testosterone mm -hmm. and so on. And um, I showed one day that I had, a, it was a light bulb moment day. Um, it was pouring with rain here in Perth in West Australia. And I, I, was, I was trying to have a walk every day prior to training. And that day I thought, no, I'm just not doing that. And I used to come back from the walks incredibly tired because of the chemo and everything else. Mm -hmm. And that day, raining, walked into the, um, my studio and picked up the, the gada bamboo and concrete. And I thought, I'm just going to try this and see. And I used to, in those days, I mean, I was retching from the chemo, mm -hmm. dry retching, basically. Yeah. And um, I started swinging after about five to seven minutes. I don't know what the time was. All of that went, all that sort of nausea went away. And I started swinging 
completely, it was freedom like you wouldn't believe it from being sick. And it, and I swung that day for 40 minutes after that happened. It was amazing. And then from for then on. 40? You know, four zero? 40 minutes, yes. Yeah, that's a long time. But remember, I'm, I've been doing that for quite some time prior to this. So, you know, I, when I went into chemo, I was very fit. Yeah. This was about the third month into chemo where my, my, my sort of, you know, the, the chemo builds up in your body and your tolerance goes down. Right. So, and, and, you know, you start feeling very, very ill. And so consequently, and I was trying to walk because I thought the walking would help me to, to, to train. And then I was coming back so tired mm -hmm. that I found it difficult to train. Mm -hmm. this, in this instance, didn't do the walk, but then swung the mace. And suddenly it was like, yes, it's there. And from then on, I swung the mace. And then again, the chemo started building up because this was chemo three. I had six of them. Mm -hmm. And as I went through to four, five, and six, obviously the buildup was greater and my, you know, physical prowess wasn't just there to do it. Right. So the amount of exercise that I did, but it was like every day, it was just like a, a spark of sunshine in my day to start doing this. And I came out of the gym room feeling great. So for anybody who has that sort of, or having chemo, and, and you know, what I'm trying to say here is when you have in that situation, you have to exercise as much as possible because it just makes you feel better. Yeah. And I mean, I think that um, as far as oncologists are concerned, that's definitely something that you can do um, regardless of which cancer you have. Yeah. So I just wanted to check that in. That's, that's, I mean, that's amazing because when you're in that space, sometimes yeah. the last thing you want to think about is exercising Yeah, and being and I, that I, exhausting. Yes. Yeah. And I, I must admit that it, it, it was hard, believe me, it was hard to start with. But then, you know, once I realized that I could break through that nausea, and so every day I went in feeling nauseous yeah, and started swinging and it would just literally dissipate. It was just extraordinary how that happened. Okay. I, yes, there is a sense. And I, and I think that something else that I think is interesting and it's worth mentioning because we haven't spoken about the, pardon me, the technical side of a swing that it relates to Indian clubs mm -hmm. and the gutter. Is that you? Uh, let's say, for example, uh, for example, you, we have a five-pound gadda, which is basically five pounds weight on the end of a stick. Right. And you're going to swing that. So when you're holding that up in front of the body, it it will weigh five pounds. And I mean, you've got skeletal support that's holding that up. Right. As you drop it either over your left shoulder or your right shoulder. The, the gravitational acceleration of allowing that to drop behind you increases the weight threefold. Yeah. So by the time it reaches your center back or your spine, it's 15 pounds. And then as the weight swings up again, it, um, it, it decreases until it gets back to the front again and it weighs five pounds. Yeah. Now, what's important about that, and I think that to all of us is um, inc incredibly important to understand is that the as the as the um, the weight is dropping behind you, it accelerates. And what we want to do as an athlete is to grab hold of that um, inertia that's being generated by the gravitational pull, and use that on the upside mm -hmm. to pull the weight back up again. And that's what the training is all about. So consequently, you're using it's a, you. We may have heard it about it in. Um, uh, sort of a Far Eastern uh, martial arts where they're using the weight of the opponent to um, pull them over or, or, or sort of, you know, um, 
pull them over their shoulders by using your own weight. I mean, here you're using the weight of the the gutter itself or the mace right. to by pulling on it to pull it up onto the other side, and you've got the, you know you're utilizing the acceleration to do it. And I just think that's a really interesting point um, to understand. It's a really interesting point, and it's so important because I'll just talk about it in the scoliosis world when we sure. don't with the spinal fusions, we don't have the, the capability of moving our spines. So right. to be able to, you know, push it away and then pull it back in, you're going to yeah. fire in all those core muscles for that to happen. Yes. And there right. was yeah. a, um, there's a specific type of physical therapy. It's called Schroth. And there are yeah. Schroth specialists who I've personally spoken with who are really excited about the mace and the gata and the heavier Fantastic. clubs because yeah. it does that for us when it is really hard to find the how to build on core strength but using those modalities it is an on it's an instant firing that we don't yes. have to think about and that is so exciting yes to be yeah. able to do that and then you know push it away and pull it back in to do a 360 or a 10 to 2 and yeah. have it falling behind you without you know, falling backwards and then standing upright yep. and firing those muscles. And, and it's just, they were. I think, I think something else is, um, comes to my mind here. One of the things that I like to do with new students, as far as um, teaching the mace itself is for them to, is a, basically a tricep stretch, mm -hmm. which means that you're holding your elbow right up uh, into this position here. Your hand is at the back of your, the neck of your neck. And but you're holding the mace there, right? This is basically doing two things: it's stretching the triceps here, and it's making you aware that the 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 mace has to swing from the elbow rather than the wrist. Mm -hmm. um, because we, what what the, the the true um this the true swing as it's um as, as it should happen is that the um let's say if we start from the center front, holding the the, the mace in front of the body. You push the mace up and it starts to fall and then your hands follow and the elbows are last. And then when you come around to the other side, your elbows lead the way, your hands follow and then the mace comes down. Right. And that's the format that it should be. And I, I often worry, I sometimes see people swinging by swinging from their wrists at the back of the head and the wrists are too high up. Mm -hmm. So they're above the head or behind the head as opposed to the nape of the neck right and that small adjustment makes a huge difference and it can um it can um affect the elbows if it's um if it's done on a repetitive basis and the reason i'm saying that is because i used to do that okay. i didn't because when i first started swinging the the mace i didn't know about where where the what the positioning was like Mm -hmm. And um, then I discovered that we have to swing from the elbow. The elbow is incredibly strong as far as dealing with the, the increase in weight we were discussing earlier on. Right. And it will support that weight. But we've also got to train um, any, any newcomers to, to just literally holding a weight behind you with stretching the triceps. And yeah. it's good to massage the triceps just to get it to stretch that little bit more in preparation for um, and do it on both sides or hold yeah. you know hold it in um in a sort of format that that allows that stretch to happen it's it takes also i mean in in the world of scoliosis sometimes we can have a rib pump so one part of the rib cage sticks out more so 
So okay. it can be a little bit uncomfortable, but I remember when you and when I took your course, doing yeah. that with you and Kelly and just resting it on the shoulder and then yes. letting it fall behind me and just really staying with that and letting the weight yeah. comfortably shift behind me towards the floor. And yeah. that takes a while to get used to. It does. And it does. And it's, it's very, I mean, and you know, after so many years of um, practice, I still that do that personally to this yeah. day. Yeah. You know, I, I use it. I mean, I, I use obviously a much larger weight. So I mean, I would do that exercise with a 10 kilo. So I mean, it's about 20, 20 pound or so 22 pounds you know, gutter hanging behind on one arm. Right. And I'll stand there for a minute holding that. Okay. Then I'll change arms and do the other one. And then as I've done one arm, let's say I've done my left arm first, I'll drop it down, let the blood come back into my arm whilst I'm doing the other one. And then I rest my right arm and just it, just making sure that I've got that sort of, you know, it's, it teaches you to retain the memory of where the swing should happen from. And the, the point, the pivot point is the elbows. So important. And, and yes, and I, I would like to just um, backtrack for a second. You said sure. you've been swinging since 2007, correct? Yeah. Would you share with us a little bit the history of the Gata and how it, I know that it did it start in India because that's what no, I see. Yes, to... it, it did. I mean, so th there's conflicting views about this, okay. of course, there, because <laughs> because the the Persians say they invented it, or the Iranians and the Indians say they invented it. They, they, I think the important thing to remember is that they all shared a border at one stage. So Persia okay. and India shared a border, and there were, you know, they they would um, invade to one side, invade to the other side. And so consequently, there was a lot of mixture happening there. Mm -hmm. And there's some huge um, common denominators between the different styles that exist in both countries. The Going to the, the, the mace of the Gada itself basically developed um, in the north part of India, in Varanasi itself, as a method of training to throw your wrestling opponent over the shoulder, either okay. with a headlock or an arm lock. So you're, we're talking about getting the person behind you, mm -hmm. you know, with a headlock and, and then bringing them over your shoulder and you're going to roll with them when you're okay. doing this. And this is basically, and the, you know, in wrestling, we're look, trying to look at um, getting the shoulders of your opponent down onto the ground. Mm -hmm. So both shoulders have to be down onto the ground. Okay. Now I'm not, I'm not a wrestling expert, but I know that that's part of the reason why the gada is um, very common, um, commonly used in, in in northern India, especially for that one sole purpose is the arm lock and the head lock, mm -hmm. and it's practice for that. Not not only that, but it, it develops also huge strength. And I mean, you know, you you you've suddenly got that. You're dealing with a lot of, um, let's say, for instance, we go to now to a 10 kilo um, uh, mace, swinging that over your shoulder. By the time it reaches your center back, we're talking about 30 kilos, and then it rises back up to 10 kilos again. And when it's yeah. at the front of the body. So, you know, you're dealing with the, the shock of the body, dealing with that. And believe you me, when you're dealing with weights like that, you have to swing from your elbows. Your hands just, if you swing from your wrists, your elbows will suffer with something equivalent to a tennis elbow. Okay. So the strain, the strain is massive, and um, and it's used to this day. You know, they 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 will do ladders, for example. Um, I do them at home here. I have um, seven kilos, eight kilos, nine kilos, ten kilos, twelve, mm -hmm. and I will do sets of each one 
for training. You know, every day, so right. I'll, I'll ladder, ladder up gradually to right. um, to get to the heaviest weight. And that'll that'll take me maybe um, 40 minutes to do that because I'll try to do five to five to 10 minute sets with each one. Okay. And it just, I mean, I, you know, I read my body and so, so that's the, the that's the, the, the mace or the gutter from Northern India. Mm-hmm. In Iran, it's different because in Iran, it's more military based. Okay. And um, in Iran, the, 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 they have two clubs. They sometimes call them, um, some of them call them maces, but they're called meals, which is M-E-E-L. Okay. Meal, the Persian meal. And there are two clubs which are basically held in front of the body and swung alternatively. One club is lifted up, swung behind the head, brought back mm-hmm. to the front, and the other one. So it's two-handed. Okay. okay. And if you think about it, as with the gada and the shoulder, the 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 um the, the shoulder turned to the half turned to the left, half turned to the right. If you think about it, if you've got your if you're holding a shield, wartime, we're going back sort of thousands of years here. Mm-hmm. Holding a shield to protect your body from a strike from an opponent. Mm-hmm. So your left shoulder will be forward. You've got your sword in your right hand. So your sword is then now you're going to take a make a hit take a hit with a sword. Mm-hmm. So you're going to move the shield out of the way. You're going to rotate your right shoulder forward, strike, and then bring the shield back. Right. The movement with with the um, the meals is basically this, this. Okay. So consequently, you know, it's that rotational movement of the shoulders, the, exactly the same as it is with the gutter, because because with the um, the mace or the gutter, we're, we're throwing it on the frontal plane. It has to swing behind us. So consequently, you've got to rotate your shoulders slightly to the um, forward, left shoulder forward, right shoulder forward to recover. Mm-hmm. Pulling back. So the technique is very, very similar. Okay. It's- so it's a military in the in Persia or Iran. It's more based more on military style you know old um shield and sword and shield fighting mm-hmm. in in um india it's more to do with wrestling and their traditional forms of wrestling in um you know mud pits or that type of thing right but but they pretty much all serve the same purpose in terms of the movement of the body and how you yes. use it yes and i mean that's that was that's the interesting thing when the um during the british raj in india the pardon me the um the uh, the military the british military saw the training mm-hmm. that was being um done by the locals by the local police wrestlers everybody was doing it basically men were doing it okay um and um if you now sort of draw a parallel with um f- using a sword to fight with because we're talking about the 1800s here Wow. So we, we know, I mean, muskets and guns were sort of just starting. They, 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 they were just, I mean, they started earlier than that. They were, but they were being used, but the sword was still actively used. Mm-hmm. And um, I think now this is my version of this. This is not out okay. of a book or somewhere, but my my understanding is that um, the the Indian club was formed, the two pound club, much shorter than the the, the mace. Um, much short, smaller than the meal, the two pounds. Mm-hmm. It has the same handling as a tradition, uh, as a military issue sword. And I've had this sort of the um, the opportunity to hold both, one in one hand, one in the other. Mm-hmm. The feeling is exactly the same. That was an eye opener to me. So because from then on, I mean, I, I, I saw this in a, with in a collection that's in Los Angeles of 
military swords and the guy's mm -hmm. also interested in even clubs. And he showed me this and to me it was like, well, yes, this is it. Mm -hmm. So consequently, a wooden club, much cheaper to produce. You wouldn't have to ship it from England to India. Right. And consequently, if it gets damaged, we can remake one locally. But you can train with this. I mean, you're training your shoulders, you're training the, you know, manipulation, mm -hmm. movements, everything else. And so consequently, the that's how I think that the Indian club was born into okay. military training. And then it was taken by these, especially the English army in India. And it was adopted then um, more so, interestingly enough, by the English Navy. But it was became the staple diet of um, military training in England and um, in Scotland and everywhere else, uh, as far as um, the army was concerned. And then obviously, as people left the military, came back to the, the Europe, basically, because there were also it also became popular in Czechoslovakia, Germany and so on. OK, it, it became, um, you know, by used by citizens and a very um, of, um a favorite way of training. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons why um, it was encouraged was um, it, it, it was that there was a movement called muscular Christianity, which basically, you know, you are of pure mind and um, your your healthy body, and so consequently, you know, you you were encouraged to to do um, exercise and sort of be a church goer at the same time. It was you know muscular Christianity. Christianity was at the center of it. Okay. So consequently, in, you know, I think in most places in um in the in the in europe and in in pardon me in the usa you know you, people would go prior to um you know modern media and and sort of electronics and everything else you would go to church on sunday mm -hmm. and then everybody would gather outside and they'd um, maybe go into the church hall or the pews would be moved away in the church and it would become a meeting ground somebody would sit down at a piano and then we'd get the kids out first, right. you know, have a swing with your clubs. Then possibly the women would do it. Then the men would do it. Somebody would be up on stage leading all this. Wow. This is how okay. it used to happen. And that's how the popularity of Indian clubs grew oh. in, the Western, in, the, in Western society. So from about sort of, you know, the early days were 1830s. But then mm -hmm. by about 1860 through to about 1930, this was incredibly popular, and and you know the the swing of it was it was group exercise, you know, after church on Sundays. It's in, amazing. In, dressed in your best. <laughs> dressed in your best, yeah. I mean, we, you know, we didn't have sports. We didn't have lycra in those days, right? But I just think it was. It, yeah. you know, it's a great way to um, you know, get everybody moving, and um, you know, you've you've got sort of you know. Um, um, you're clean spiritually and, and physically. Yeah, and it's it's such a, you know, it's so often that we say it's an unconventional tool because it's not your stereotypical dumbbells. It's and it is, you no. know, it's it is what you said, like bringing people together to move in ways that it. I mean, I don't have any other better words than it. Just being freeing. Yes. Yeah, I totally agree with that. It you does. Know, you become and free. With it. You you become free, and there's a meditative process with it. And when you get that move, whatever it is, and if you're using the clubs or a gata or a mace, and you just nail it, and yeah. like you just beam. Yeah. It yes, just absolutely. Feels, you know, you have an you have an internal smile. I like to put right. it that way. Yeah. No, I, I um I spend most of my Saturdays or weekends. I 
because I train every morning mm -hmm. and most of most of the Saturdays and Sundays are spent um, in what I call freestyle. It doesn't matter whether it's um, the, the mace, gada or Indian clubs. Mm -hmm. I will just experiment and I'll swing. Sometimes I'll get obsessed with one movement. I also really analyze my mistakes. So if I if yeah. I crash my clubs, for example, what did I do? Why did I do it? That's when I first started recording my um my uh, things for YouTube, for example, was when I made, I originally started by recording, I wanted to catch my mistakes. What mm -hmm. did I do wrong? And then I eventually, I started becoming aware of YouTube and I started posting on YouTube and then I actually prepared videos for YouTube. But the, um, the, the thing is, it's experimentation. You know, you can, yeah. you can learn from your mistakes. I mean, as, as in everything that we do, you know, if you're a writer or a painter right. or whatever, if you make mistakes, you're going to learn from them. And this is exactly the same. So you can swing your clubs. You can experiment with how you're holding the clubs, how you're gripping them, how you swing them, make circles. And I think another interesting thing with, um, uh, with the mace and with Indian clubs is that you probably know, you may have heard of choking. I mean, mm -hmm. choking, say, in the States would be a very common um, expression for, for instance, holding a baseball bat because you're going to choke it to make it shorter. Right. But you can do the same type of thing with Indian clubs and the, and, and the mace, and that changes the way that the, um, the whatever it is swings. So consequently, it becomes slightly easier or it becomes more difficult. <laughs> no, yeah, so, I mean, I think one of the um, one of my favorite expressions as far as workshops is concerned, when, you know, everybody picks up the um, all the students pick up the, the mace for the first time and they're holding it in front of them. And some of them are tipping them slightly forward, fighting with it. Mm -hmm. And you have to literally lean it into the body. You can use your forehead or your right. nose as a rest. And then, I mean, then you have to, the favorite expression is, you have to become intimate and it's like a sort of, it's like the first date, you know, you have to become, get used to holding that weight, the, the, the bulk of which is over your head. Yeah. And, um, you know, the closer you hold it to your body, the safer it's going to be. Yeah. Which is an intimidating factor because you think Absolutely. of intimate is the perfect analogy of it because it just is. Well, it just is. It is. I mean, and you, and you have to be. You have to become comfortable. And basically, you're holding a weight upside down. And normally, any of us would pick that up with the the bulk of the weight down to the floor. Here, you're you're doing the total reverse. Right. So right. yeah, no. So it's a bizarre situation to say the least. It is, but it's it's such a gift, and it was yeah. a gift and an honor that I had the opportunity to work with you when you came to New York to do the workshop. Yeah, no, likewise. I'm, I'm just so glad that you managed to take it on, Teresa. I mean, it's great. It's really I, cool. There's nothing better. It's it's mm. a freedom of feeling limitless with my limitations. So and, and with the people that you've got a, that you've been sort of sharing it with that you've, yeah. you've got the issues that you have. Yeah. 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 And uh, but it, it started with you guys. Yeah. It started with you. And that's that's why I wanted to bring you on the show because like I said, in my book, and I know many other people will agree with this, you are one of the masters in this field. Thank and you. I, nice. And I wanted you to come in and just share your your journey and, and your story and how how you started it and where it's been. And I know that you, you mentioned before that you're in Perth, Western Australia. Mm. Um, and if people want to reach out to you and have questions about working with you, whether in, sure. in Australia or 
in the state or wherever, where is the best place that they can do that? Well, there's, uh, there's, there's, okay, there's two, um, there's also obviously social media, my, um, on Instagram, I've just got, use my surname, which is Volkovinsky, I'll spell that W-O-L-K-O-W-I-N-S-K-I, that's my, um, the, the, the user on um, Instagram, where you can see short videos there of everything that I do, otherwise, I'm, I'm on Facebook using Paul Volkovinsky, and um, my two websites are indianclubs.com.au which is australia and i have a second website which is indianclubsacademy.com so those two are the and that has um courses there that i've done with kelly um, manzoni that um you can access um if you want to learn from there or contact me direct through the websites via email or just message me on instagram or facebook you know it doesn't matter which i'll, I'll get back to them Paul, I would like to thank you once again. It is my it's honor a, to have you on this podcast. If anybody, if anybody has any questions, please feel free to reach out to Paul and he will get back to you. Yeah. So, Paul, I'd like to thank you for being a guest on the show. Okay. No, thanks, Teresa. Thanks. If you'd like to know more about what it's like trading with a mace, Go to my page at t3fit.com or you can find me on Instagram also under t3fit. If you like this episode, chances are there's someone else out there who needs to hear it too. So it would be a huge favor to me if you'd go ahead and give us a five-star review. It helps me get the message out to more people. And if you need help moving in pain, then download my five free tips and I'll catch you on the next episode.